Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. And welcome to Childproof by Betches Media. I'm Gwenna Lakeland. And I'm Tori Phantom. This is the podcast dedicated to parents who fed their kids PB&J for dinner and then door dashed themselves some tacos. Wow. <laughs> Call me out like that? Okay. All right. Well. <laughs> and it was samosa and biryani. Thank you. Oh, oh, great choice. <laughs> now, I have an important thing to say, Gwenna. What? What What important thing that I definitely important. do not know you're about to say are you going to say? <laughs> So before we get started, we need our listeners' help. Yes. Do you know why? I do, but tell us more. (laughs) Nominations (laughs) are now open for the 18th Annual Podcast Awards, and we are up for a nomination in the kids and family category. This is so exciting. This is amazing. We we are up for an actual like award for yes. you guys continuing to listen to this. And not a participation trophy. It's not. <laughs> How very unmillennial of us. Honestly. All you need to do is head to podcastawards.com to register and vote. It only takes a few minutes, but we've only got to the end of July to get the votes we need. So that's not much time. Not much time at all. So help us out. Go to podcastawards.com, register and vote for Childproof in the kids and family category. We appreciate you and thank you in advance. Thank you. You are the reason we even got this nomination because we just talking to mics. You guys keep coming back and wanting us to keep doing it. So thank you. Okay, so before we go on, we have to do the thing. Yeah, we have to start the timer. Start the timer. So in other news, our inbox has been super active. Love it. Those emails keep coming. You can email us childproof at betches.com. And one of the questions we keep getting is what do you do about tantrums, especially the public ones? See, and that's that's a really tricky question to answer because tantrums come from a lot of places. They look different across ages. One type of tantrum is not handled the same way as another type of tantrum. And Most of the time, the tantrums across the age scale are age appropriate. So when folks are like, oh, what do I do about tantrums? The the default answer is that's age appropriate. And to hear people that you're asking, what do I do about this specific problem? Just sort of dismiss you with it's age appropriate. They'll grow out of that's annoying as fuck. So annoying. (laughs) It's annoying. As we continue to say it, we know it's annoying. (laughs) But like. Sometimes the tantrums, especially the tantrums in public, are a this too shall pass moment. Like, like seriously, when was, so your youngest is now five. Yes. Yeah? So mm-hmm. when was the last time you had to deal with a tantrum in public? It's been a while. I would say the last like real tantrum, I got a screaming kid in the middle of the store. She was about three. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And nowadays, most tantrums are reserved for the comfort of our own home. And uh, <laughs> and again, as you were saying, the tantrums change with ages. And mm-hmm. I prefer the older tantrums because they yes. tend to be a lot easier to navigate. You don't feel so helpless. There yes. is a communication that can happen. But that's really when we say it's age appropriate, we're not saying it to dismiss that as mm-hmm. much as we're saying it in solidarity. We have yeah. all been there. Every parent ends up there and don't feel bad like it's something you're doing wrong. Kids yeah. just, they don't have a filter for let me save this for at home. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> S- same. Our last one. So my littles are four. I think our last one was, was a year ago probably. Yeah. But I remember one of the last public tantrums. So when we say this is age appropriate, it's a, it's a really universal experience. So the last public tantrum, I remember my kids were about three and it might be because they've been gentle parented since birth that the tantrums have like collapsed, but I don't think it is. I think they just outgrew it. They got more language skills on board. They got more regulation skills on board. Like that just happens as they grow up. But The last time we had an in-public tantrum, we had decided that everyone was in a good mood, which was our first mistake, and (laughs) we were going to go out to eat. And not just like, like normally our out to eat is we all argue for 30 minutes about what to DoorDash and then they bring it to us. Yes. That's our version of going out to eat. Mm -hmm. But this time we decided, no, you know what? Field trip. And so I announced to the kids, kids, go get your shoes on. We're going to go to Chili's. We picked Chili's. I don't know why, but we picked Chili's. I like Chili's. Chili's is mid. Don't lie. Our entire comment section is just going to be like, thou shalt not hate on Chili's. I know that now. I love mid food, to be fair. I mean, we willingly went to Chili's, so I can consider it mid and still go there. It's all Right. right. But... My kids were like, all right. And so we're thinking, good, they're excited about going out to eat. So we get in the car, we drive to Chili's, we get out of the parking lot, and both of my kids get out of the car and they look up at the building and go, but where's bingo? Oh no. Where's bingo? (laughs) When I said, let's go to Chili's, what they heard was let's go to Bluey's mom, Chili's house. Honestly, that sounds way more exciting. Agreed. I'm with them. That did not translate well in the parking lot of a Midwestern Oklahoma Chili's. But this was not Bluey's house. We did not go to Bluey's house. We were going for weird fajitas and hamburgers with knives stabbed through them. That's what we were going for. Chili's is one of those with the kids menu that has the crayons, right? You can just draw Bluey. We could just draw Bluey. Well, let's draw Bluey. We we definitely had to... uh, we almost didn't eat at Chili's that night. We got it. We got it, but it was it was a te- it was a far less enjoyable dinner. Yeah, by the time you got in there, no one's in a good mood anymore. No one's in a good mood anymore. Eat your chicken nuggets. Eat your chicken crispers, <laughs> kids. Just cram them in and let's go. Yeah, yeah. And, and here's here's what I did. It's because I didn't expect that reaction. Like it just didn't occur to me that that's what they heard me say, even though that's not what I intended to tell them. We didn't do any of the work that we normally have to do to work with the tantrums. I've got a process that we do. Do you have a process? I do. I do. And especially when it comes to public tantrums, I started to create like a game plan to mitigate that tantrum before we even Mm -hmm. got to the store, which is more like just setting those expectations, right? It's reminding them of the boundaries. Yes. And it's 
again, we talk about this all the time. Repeat, 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 repeat. They're Mm -hmm. still going to probably make a mistake or cross a boundary. But when that boundary is in place and you're continuing to communicate it, when that little finger goes to touch something on the shelf and you're like, hey, hey. We look with our eyes, not our hands. They've already heard that 15 times. They're going to put their hand back in my experience. But that's kind of what we do. We pregame the outing. So like on the way to the store, I'm like, hey, remember when we're at the store, we're going to look with our eyes, not our hands. And why do we do that? You know, and it's getting them engaged with why that's important. We don't want to make a mess. We don't want to knock something over. We don't want to make the employees jobs harder. We don't want to be disruptive. We have to respect the place we're in and the other people in it. And so we've repeated that on the ride there. We've repeated it walking into the store. And every now and then, if I see them getting a little uh, feisty, it's reminded again. I would rather continue to say that than end up losing my mind. (laughs) Yeah. Or having to explain to an underpaid store worker why there's pickles all over the floor. Right, right. I will, anytime my kids have like accidentally made a mess, I am going to an employee and asking for paper towels myself. And and a lot of time they're like, no, we'll take care of it. And I'm like, listen, I'm so sorry. I I did not interfere fast enough and I want to not make this your problem. I take responsibility. (laughs) Yeah. Hand over the paper towels. We are that couple that for a little bit when my kids were, um, self-feeding and not very well when they were in the earliest stages of feeding themselves, I kept a little like, like little hand broom in their bag so I could like scoop up the (laughs) shit that missed Right, and like right. dump it back on the tray so like no one had to get down there and sweep my kids floor food up. I literally when the kids and I go out to eat, I have taught my kids that before we leave a table, we do brush off our mess. If there's a little spill, we're going to just take a napkin quick and wipe it up. And we're going to we're going to leave it as nice as we can for the people whose job it is to take care of it, because we're we're not in the business of making things harder on other people. <laughs> I'm an anxious people pleaser. So, and I have worked as waitstaff in restaurants. So I will use my observation eyes and watch how they pre-bus if they pre-bus at this place. And I will pre-bus the table before I leave. And now my kids also pre-bus the table because they think that's just what you're supposed to do in a restaurant. It's like we just, you know, we can can help out service workers. We should be. (laughs) But when it comes to tantrums, look at us. This is why we need the timer. We already got off track. Just talk about how we clear tables at restaurants. Yeah, it has everything to do with tantrums. Uh, (laughs) But when it comes to public tantrums, because I think that's the question we get asked the most is, how do you deal with the public tantrums? And my answer is uh, the same way I do at home. Uh Uh-huh. Exact same way. Yeah, because whether I try to minimize that behavior to not disturb others or if I take the time to talk them through it and help them regulate It's going to take the same amount of time and people are still going to stare. So I operate with my kids' emotions prioritized. Now, I will, if my kid is throwing a fit in the middle of an aisle, I will move us to the side of the aisle. I will move us out of the way. But I'm getting down eye level with them and I'm talking them through it. And it's usually, I mean, it takes a minute or two. You know, we're not hitting that critical meltdown. Mm -hmm. It feels longer while you're doing it. Than it actually takes. Yes. And and that's just, I, I'm not going to have a, I feel like the consistency in how we handle it helps that regulation. Because if I'm handling it a totally different way at the store than I am at home, is that going to be confusing for a three-year-old? 
Yeah. And here's the thing is I get the desire not to plop yourself down in the middle of the freezer aisle and give deep pressure hugs because you have an audience. And like low key, deep pressure hugs, if you've never given deep pressure hugs, it looks really weird. That's where you sit down, you set them in your lap, you crisscross your legs over theirs, you crisscross their arms across their chest, and you you give good squeezes, little pressure from your thighs, little pressure from your arms. You're really pu- pulling them into your core, and that is a really good nervous system regulation. But it looks like you're restraining them. <laughs> Be- uh, we call it a pretzel hug. Yeah. It's a very low end of deep pressure therapy. We call it a pretzel hug. And the desire not to do that in front of the frozen corn is high for so many reasons. It's it's funny you mentioned the freezer aisle because it, it is always the freezer aisle, isn't it? <laughs> why, uh, are, why are all the tantrums in the freezer aisle? It's cold. My middleist is a, a sensory seeker. And often when she is having a tantrum or a meltdown, there is a sensory aspect that will help her regulate. And when she was a toddler, she had a tantrum in the freezer aisle at the Kroger. (laughs) And she was wearing, like it was summertime, she was in a dress and sandals and she gets upset and literally just lays down flat, like lays down flat on the floor, just on her back, just sprawled out and she's crying. She's not, we're not in critical meltdown, but she's upset. And I know why she's doing that because that is cold and it's helping her. Now, my instinct was like, I need to grab this kid off the floor because people are looking at me and my kid is laying down here. But I fought that instinct because what other people thought of this was not as important because I knew why she was doing it. And I knew she was doing that to regulate herself. So instead, I corralled the other children to to the side of the aisle and I literally sat my butt flat on the floor next to her and I whispered to her and I was like listen I know this is hard but we're in the freezer aisle and that means we're almost done so I want to take some breaths together and if you need I can carry you you can sit in the cart but we do have to get up soon so we're going to take a second we're going to take a breath and then we're going to have to get up and move on and it worked you know and in those moments you don't know if it's going to work you're hoping You're hoping that these skills are going to work the way that they usually do at home. But when you're in a store, there's so many different things happening. They can be overstimulating. So I'm like, I'm going to try it. And it worked. And I was like, yes. Yeah. (laughs) I do a really similar thing when my kids, whether they're at home or in public, if they have gotten to the point where they are full body tantrum, it's not just the tears, it's everything is bugging them. Their shirt is too shirty. Their pants are too pantsy. um, Their shoes are too shoey. The air is wrong. Everything is wrong because I'm just so amped up. I've lost a lot of times when we get to that point, they've even lost the beat of what got them upset in the first place. They're just upset at being upset. So what we'll do is I'll, I'll start low. I'm like, I'm going to put my hand on your shoe. I won't even say on their foot, even though functionally it's on their foot. I'm going to move my hand up to your knee. I'm going to move my hand up to your belly. And it's just, I'm not asking permission I'm just closing those boundaries until we can get to, I'm going to hold your hand. Okay. That's a lot of model breathing happens a lot, but it is incredibly, even for me, it is difficult to know that I need to take these steps because it does feel like it's taking forever, even though it's taking 30 seconds. 
because there is this fear, or rather it's it's mom's shame, which we talked about in an episode a couple back. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to that episode. It's helpful. But there's this mom's shame that makes it easy just to want to leave. Abandon cart. I'm so sorry, store employee. You're going to have to put all that shit back. But trust me, this impact is less than... No, I, I'm, I'm not for it. We can get through this here and now because my kids need to eventually be able to learn how to handle their tantrum here and now. It's not retreat to a safe space. It's being able to do that in all the spaces because we are capable of being triggered in all the spaces. The fear, the shame is they're going to judge me because my kid is having a tantrum. That's not true. And it feels so isolating. And if you are a parent who would rather just scoop your kid up and take them out of the store. There's no judgment. That's a totally valid option. That's I am with Gwen. I feel like we feel similarly on that. I'm not going to abandon cart because it took a lot of effort for me to get to that store in the first place. I'm not coming back. So uh, <laughs> I, in those moments, it can feel so isolating. And even if no one is looking at you, you feel like someone is, someone is judging you. And, and we talk about this a lot, the amount of people who have something to say to you in the grocery store. So if your kid is throwing a fit, you're like, oh no, but <laughs> it's, in my opinion, the way that I look at this is I would rather someone judge me for loving my kid through their feelings than judge me for screaming at them to stop. Because the end goal is the same, right? We want that that fit to, to end. We want to get to the end of that tantrum as soon as possible. But I would rather them work through those feelings and we can work to regulate that pretty quickly than force them to shove those feelings down and feel like they are not allowed to have them or they're in trouble for having the feelings. So I would, I would rather be judged for loving than screaming. And that's just kind of how I navigate it. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's really important that we learn how to deal with our feelings in all the spaces. I mean, it's, it's not just, we, 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 we can only have big feelings at home. Now, would I prefer us not lose our shit over Lucky Charms? Yeah, I, I would. But that sometimes takes time. And honestly, it takes getting used to what a feeling is. Like, because feelings for kids are all new. Do your kids ever steal toys from each other? Obviously. Do your kids ever steal each other's KiwiCo boxes? They don't steal them, but... They do sometimes get in heated debates over who gets which one. Over who gets what? Yeah. KiwiCo is a subscription service that sends kids crates packed with engaging hands-on activities designed to introduce them to science, technology, and art concepts. KiwiCo sent my youngest daughter a box to build her own ukulele. Yeah, my kids are taking shifts with their KiwiCo light box art kit. And KiwiCo delivers seriously fun learning for kids of all ages through hands-on projects and activities. With nine monthly programs to choose from, KiwiCo has something for kids of all ages, ranging from infants and preschoolers to teens and beyond. Discover real science, technology, engineering, art, and math concepts through fun hands-on projects delivered to your door every month. Each crate is designed by real experts and tested by kids to ensure that every experience is age-appropriate, engaging, and seriously fun. Redefine learning with play. Explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month on any crate line at KiwiCo.com with promo code CHILDPROOF. That's 50% off your first month at K-I-W-I-C-O.com, promo code 
childproof. You know, Gwena, I am getting hungry. That I'm always hungry. I have to squeeze in a meal time before I go get my kids. I'm so excited. Do you know what I have? Is it a hungry root? Do you have a hungry root for you? I have a hungry root ready to eat chicken tikka masala. And it's so good. I am now jealous because I did not know that Hungry Root had chicken tikka masala in one of their ready meals. It's the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality food delivered to your door, and you have full control of what they send you. You take a fun, short quiz, and Hungry Root will get to know you, your goals, and how you like to eat. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to good use. The best selection of good for your body good for your brain snacks. Hungry Root will recommend recipes and groceries based on your tastes. Take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, healthy snacks and sweets and much more. And right now, Hungry Root is offering childproof listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash childproof to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Childproof. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. I actually have a theory about this. And, okay. and it needs a better name. But I've, I've overthought this quite a bit. And I, so overthought yourself to enlightenment again? Yes. Yes. This time it didn't make me anxious. Go me, gold star. But I, <laughs> I call it the toddler grief theory. And, okay, well, that's dark. <laughs> it actually has very little to do with grief. So, uh, <laughs> again, uh, we need to workshop the name here, okay? Send me your ideas for a better name for this theory. Uh, <laughs> childproof at Betches.com. <laughs> also, podcastawards.com, folks. <laughs> so, the toddler grief theory is this theory that I kind of thought about watching my kids grow up and watching the way they experience emotions and watching the way people talk about the way that people experience or kids experience emotions and how a lot of the time it's like, how do we end this feeling right now? How do we like just move past it as quickly as possible? And, and it's that terrible twos. It's the terrible twos because they're, they're tiny tears and they just throw tantrums all the time and they're hitting and they're doing this and they're doing that. It is just, they're terrible. And I'm like, I don't think they're terrible. I think they're not good at it. Right. They're not good at it. And so what it comes down to is when is the last time you experienced a new feeling? Oh, um, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So that's where this theory comes from. Okay. <laughs> because when is the last time you've experienced a new feeling? For me, for me, the last time I experienced a new feeling was when I lost my grandmother in 2020. Mm. Grief. And I did not know what to do with that. It was so overwhelming and it came in waves and it was this new feeling I had never navigated before and I didn't understand how it could be so big. It felt like that feeling was bigger than me. And how I relate that to the toddler grief theory. <laughs> when they're a toddler, right, we've moved past diaper or maybe they're still in diapers but now they're they're talking a bit now they are moving around and they are navigating the world in a way where they have things that they like they like that blue cup they don't want to go to the store right now they're they're playing with the dust bunny in the corner right everything is new to them yeah. everything every single thing that they are encountering is new their brain is now starting to catalog all of the things and every one of those feelings 
is new. The feeling of separation anxiety, that's new. The feeling of anger is new. They don't know the difference between anger and annoyed and frustrated. They don't know the difference between sad or missing someone. It's just these big feelings that are bigger than them, and they are all cascading into their tiny little two-year-old body at once, and they are relying on you to help them navigate through it, and now they have opinions, and they're mad when you tell them no because they don't understand, and hearing no for them is like the most horrible thing that could ever happen. It is such a big feeling, and so when my kids, when they were especially in that age range, and I'm watching them have these big feelings and I'm feeling frustrated, like, why is everything so big? And then I thought, I remember when I had a really big feeling that was really new to me. It was really new, yeah. And that's what they're going through, but at a much bigger scale. Yeah. Yeah, because it's everything. I mean, you asked me, what what was the last new feeling you thought? And in the time that you've been talking, I was like, it's when I fell in love with Jack. That was the first time that I felt a new feeling. And it's been a decade. It's been over a decade. Because I, I've had 39 years of life to have cataloged a bunch of the other ones. And I'm not saying that I felt all the feelings. I'm sure a new one will crop up. But that's that's a fascinating take that it's... So I use the phrase, they're learning to person from scratch. They, they've never felt joy before. They've never felt nervous energy before. And if they did, they didn't really have the cognitive process to go, oh, this, this is a thing. I, I should react to it. That, that's fascinating because it, it's a lifelong process. It's just because you were an adult by the time you experienced actual grief when you lost your gram. So it took that long to get that last feeling on board or that most recent new feeling on board. But for kids, everything is sort of dumping on them at the same time because that portion of their brain all fires up at the same time. Okay, that's, yeah. that's so good. So again, it needs a better name, but <laughs> I'm just going to keep calling it the toddler, grief, the toddler theory. grief theory. Yeah, but that's honestly one of the things that I do with my kids who are, especially my younger ones, because we've already gone through this with my oldest, but my younger kids who are five and seven, Sometimes we'll sit down and we're having snack time. We're doing whatever. And I'll just start asking them questions like, what does it feel like for you when you're mad? And to get them to think about that, right? Because I'm not asking you to tell me the last thing that made you mad. I'm saying when you feel mad, what does that feel like in your body? And to get them to think about that. And, and one of my kids is like, it feels like it's in my head and like I'm going to explain and I was like, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. I understand that feeling. And so to be able to kind of connect and figure out how does this feel for you and what makes that feel better, we do that in the calm moments. We do that in those moments where we're connecting. So then when something does go off the rails, I can relate back to that. I now know what this feels like for her. I now know what she told me helps her feel better when she feels this way. And I can use the information that I gathered from the kid herself to help navigate the tools I use to help her regulate. It's really a team effort. It's what I call doing the work offline. So it's when those emotional centers are are calm, they're regulated, they're, they're offline. We're not in the middle of a tantrum because here's the thing, adults throw tantrums too. Oh, absolutely, yes. We have a fully developed brain. Mm -hmm. We've got names for most of our emotions yeah. and we throw and we tantrums yeah. all the time. 
Of course, kids throw tantrums. Yeah. We're supposed to be the ones who are good at it, and we're not always yeah. good at it. I, I will not hold my kids up to expectations I cannot meet myself. Right. Uh, <laughs> this one time, one time I was cooking dinner, and it was one of those days. It wasn't a bad day, but it was mm-hmm. like all the little things. You know, and it was just ever, all those little annoyances. And I was like, just looking forward to bedtime. And it wasn't even my kids. It was just like, I just wanted to decompress. And so I knew when my kids go to bed, I can relax. Right. And so all these little things kept happening. And then I'm cooking dinner and I'm literally dinner is done. And I am just cutting the meat on, on the cutting board so I can plate. And I apparently had the cutting board a little too close to the edge of the counter. And so when I went to cut it, I flipped the cutting board and, and the, it went everywhere all over the floor, everywhere. And at that moment, I literally, like, I chucked my utensils in the sink and I hit the floor and I just, like, like knees to my chest against the uh, counter, right? I'm just sitting on the floor like the 15-year-old inner emo kid I am. And I was just, I was so mad. Like, I, I yelled and then I just, like, cried for a minute. <laughs> Full-grown did, did adult. You- did you feel an urge to get out a red pen and write like bad poetry? <laughs> oh yeah. About floor meat. About floor meat. <laughs> but what was interesting in that moment, right? I'm literally on the floor crying about floor meat. <laughs> and my oldest kid had heard the commotion and comes out and looks at me and starts picking up the meat and says, It's okay, mom. We all drop stuff sometimes. It's okay. Take a breath. And like, okay, okay, okay. like I'm going to try to pull it together because that's really sweet. And I want you to know that had an impact. But inside I'm like, mm. <laughs> floor meat. Floor meat. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing with both kid and adult tantrums. Like what your kid did by following the model you set was the perfect. There wasn't let's talk through it. There wasn't just... I'm going to clean up the immediate problem, which is the floor meat. I'm going to give you a little bit of validation and then just work. Let you work through your feelings because that's the model that you've set for your kid. Because if I am in the middle of a tantrum and you come at me with logic, with rational speak, with information that makes perfect sense and is completely applicable to what I'm going through, it doesn't matter how much sense you're making. I'm a double down on this infantile behavior. Right. I'm just going to completely uh, block that out and get through. My, I need to feel my feelings right now. And right now I'm feeling mad. But that's and, and it's not even a personal choice all the time. A lot of time it's it's literally psychology when you are in that fight or flight space. Logic, even if in the back of your head, you're like, I am being so unreasonable right now. That doesn't mean you can immediately just stop it. It takes regulating techniques, and that's for kids and adults. And as adults, we are better at recovering quickly from floor meat. Yeah. The kids? Yeah. Not so much. Yeah. Because your brain's not ready for that logic and critical thinking, you're going to reject it. And you you had mentioned that psychology, there is psychology behind a chill before the chat. So if we've had a temper tantrum, we've had a a, a sort of mini emotional breakdown there, maybe we're even verging on meltdown, which is different than tantrum. Like when we're in that space, now is not the time to try to bring that down. Our brains alter how they're thinking, what portions of our brain are activated. Some portions of our brain are adrenaline soaked and our dopamine and our serotonin receptors not functioning the way they should. 
And we're not storing information. So stuff that we are given in the middle of a tantrum enters our short-term memory, but is not able to be converted to long-term memory Mm -hmm. because of all of the hormones, because of everything that else is going up there in that brain chemistry, you know, goo soup that we've got in our skulls. Goo soup that we've got in our skulls. That's merch. (laughs) (laughs) We... We're approaching Halloween time. It's past 4th of July. It's Halloween time. Spooky, spooky merch. Goose soup in our skulls. Okay. The same is true for adults and kids. You've got to sort of get through the tantrum before you can begin doing. So the work that you do with your kids, what does it feel like for you to be mad? What's it feel like in your body? Where do you feel that? Is it a color? Does your, does your emotion have a color? What, what color is mad? And it's getting them to reflect on that. So we keep about four to five different snack packages. You get to a point in parenting, you know, you just have to have snacks. And we have a new favorite to keep in the car. And it fits like right in my center console, the box. It's perfect. What is it? Chomps. It had not occurred to me to put chomps in the car yet. (gasps) They're perfect. Grab one out. It's a great pick-me-up after school because of the protein. And chomps taste so good, and they really make healthy snacking easier. Every bite is bursting with bold flavor and comes in a variety of flavors for everyone. With zero sugar, up to 12 grams of protein, and chompable flavors, you can take bigger, bolder, and better bites every time in the car or wherever else you're eating a chomps. Chomsticks come in nine delicious flavors, so make sure you grab a variety pack so that you can taste every flavor. Trust me, that taco flavor, you're not going to want to miss out on that one. That's actually the first one we put in the car. Chomps makes filling your snack cupboard or car even easier because you can order online and have them delivered straight to your door. You will still actually have to put them in your car once they've arrived at your door. You can even subscribe for ongoing savings. And right now, Chomps is offering our listeners 20% off your first order and free shipping when you go to chomps.com slash childproof. Go to chomps.com slash childproof to see all the delicious flavors and get 20% off your first order and free shipping. That's C-H-O-M-P-S dot com slash childproof. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. So you know that I own a burnt baguette in the shape of a dachshund named Rosalind, right? Yes. I got this dog and when I adopted her, I had to drive two hours one way to pick her up Mm -hmm. and then two hours back the other way to pick her up. Whose dog? Is Rosalind. Is it your husband's dog now? Yeah, it's Jax. It's my husband's <laughs> Jax. Do you know what he told me about yesterday? What? ASPCA health insurance for pets. It's not your dog. You just want to make sure she's taken care of. The ASPCA pet health insurance program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you and Jack to help you get your pet the care they might need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Vet bills can really, really add up. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim, and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash childproof. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash childproof. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash childproof. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. 
But here's the other thing that I do too, very much in, in line with what you're saying, because I do a lot of that, that work between the feelings. And so say my kids got into a squabble. My kids will only call it squabbling because of Bluey. We've come full circle. (laughs) (laughs) Say my kids got in a squabble. And uh, in those moments when emotions are running high, maybe someone broke something as someone else's. There's there's a moment happening. In that moment, my only goal is to settle that moment. Because maybe someone does need to apologize and I need to help a kid find her way there. Maybe we need to separate, maybe whatever. But there's another conversation that I'm going to have with them, but I'm not going to have it until they have confirmed that they are okay right now. So I will ask them, are you still mad right now? No? Okay, then let's have this conversation. Are you still mad right now? Yeah? Okay, so what can we do to help you relax? We'll talk about this later because if it's not an emergency, we don't have to deal with it right now. Yeah. So there's something called the tantrum arc that once you're aware of the tantrum arc, it makes it really easy to decide. I can try to rationalize through this. I can try to provide guidance through this emotion. Now's not the time we have to write it out. So in the tantrum arc, there's the buildup, the boiling, the blow up, and the cool down. You can try to mitigate and prevent at the buildup. If you see it coming, if you see that fight about the doll emerging, you can intervene then and put a squash to it before it gets into tantrum. Mm -hmm. You can, so you might be able to prevent it if you catch it at buildup. Once we get to boiling, once they've actually started that argument with their sibling over this inconsequential thing, we're in the boiling. And you, you're you now to a point where you're probably not going to prevent the tantrum, but you can mitigate it. You can know that it's going to take less time, that it's going to be easier to calm down from. Once we get to blow up, once they're in tantrum, the worst news you can tell a parent is once they're in a tantrum, you have to write it out. You have to let them cry about it. You have to let them scream about it. And that's where we're back in the freezer aisle, you know, being watched by other people. We have no choice but to get through this. There are things that we can do that we can learn that that shorten this process, but it's going to be specific to the tantrum. It's going to be specific to the kid. And honestly, it's going to be a little specific to the environment. Once we're in the blow up, once we're in tantrum, we have to write it out. And then we enter the cool down and that's where we can give a little bit of logic. Okay. You're going to be okay. You are okay. You are safe. We need to move from the space. We need to move on. That's still not the time for the problem solving. We're still pretty amped up. We're still in the tantrum arc. Once we leave that cool down period, then we can have the conversation. What happened there? You went from fine to not fine. So what? Did, yeah. Whoa, 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 what were you feeling? Was this about the Barbie or was this something else yeah. that led to the blow up about the Barbie? And in that, in that ride it out period, the communication isn't really accessible. But what we can do, and again, it's situation, it's environment dependent, is we can do things like Gwena was saying earlier, where we are doing model breathing. Because if we can slow the breathing down, it is it has an effect on our body. And what I do if there's a tantrum at home, I start to mess with the sensory environment. Can I turn the lights down in here? Can I turn on some soft music in here? Can I, what things can I do that will have a calming effect, even if they're not trying to calm down, but that their body might respond to? Right, right. Because again, their their brain is 
goo soup right now. So anything that you can do as this subtle cue to, okay, you are safe, you are fine, you are collected, you are going to be okay. Yeah. Um, because we talked last week about it's okay to say you're okay. If they're in the middle of the tantrum, that is not a place that I typically deploy you're okay because they're not, they're not okay. But we had an email from somebody who put to words what I do. There's a difference between you're okay and you're going to be okay. I will repeatedly assure my children, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's the thing too, is that I think we're very focused on tantrums. And I think while we're talking about tantrums specifically, we are both reaching into our past parenthood experiences with with toddlers, because the the type of tantrums that I am having with a five and a seven year old, totally different ball game, totally different. Like I could call it a tantrum, but it's not. When people think the word tantrum, you're thinking about a screaming two or three year old, and so it's it's different. Even though and, we just discussed that adults yeah, have tantrums, yeah. But I think that the word I would use instead is that it's really an emotional outburst. And because it is, it's going to be quicker. That tantrum can take some time. It's, it can take some time and some co-regulation to relax. But with an emotional outburst, it's typically that boiling point is not going to be so high. That blow up is not going to be so big. And it, and it might just be a reality check of like, dude, why are you being mean? You know, it can just be that quick kind of communication. And that when you are older, you are more capable of hearing that reason in most scenarios. So I have the system that I use with my eldest. It is, this is where it gets tricky as parents and people who speak in parenting spaces because the the universal experience of a two-year-old throwing a tantrum in the freezer aisle, everyone's going to have a version of that somewhere in their history because it's very expected. It's age-appropriate behavior. Yes. And while emotional outbursts from preteens, teens, young adults, adults, while those are absolutely age appropriate, it gets tricky to begin to share those stories because my two-year-old, that's a universal experience. That's not personal private information. What my teenager is having emotional outbursts, if I share those direct stories then I am potentially incriminating her to a coach or a teacher or an administrator who may follow my social media. Her friends might see this information and then rib her about it. And that's exactly it. Because when we're talking about a three-year-old throwing fit over a blue cup, that is not personal to that specific child. But when we're talking about those older children, you're talking about the tweens, teenagers, they have very personal lives. They have social lives. It is a totally different communication we have with them and their stories are theirs. And they're not so, always ours to share. Right. And and we can talk on those things non-specifically in some instances when we're focused more on how we handle broader topics, but to be specific about these older kids who these stories are not so red cup, blue cup. It, it, it's a line that we are very careful about. Right. Typically, and I speak for us both, when we're sharing stories of our eldest children, a lot of times those are with permission. Yes. We specifically sought out, hey, that time that you did this, can I tell people about that? Yeah. And I've been told in no uncertain terms, absolutely not, mom. No, no, mom, you can't do that. Okay. But when it comes to emotional outbursts, 
Specifically, a lot of times what I've been able to develop with my oldest is what I call the warn and wait. And I learned this not from my own experience and practice. I learned this because Jack gives me a look and wait. When I am in an emotional outburst, Jack has a very specific look that he can shoot me. And it's not belittling. It's not holier than thou. It's just, it's a facial expression that he has crafted that he can give me that communicates you're being a bitch and a little bit of a punk about it. Yeah. Do you want to check that? <laughs> the, one look communicates all of that. And so it's a nonverbal communication that over the course of our relationship, we've been able to develop. That works for me. But when I realized, oh, oh, that's the look that I need to check my own behavior because maybe I'm being a little bit over the top about something. <laughs> I was like, I wonder if I can do that with, with Abby. Yeah. And so the nonverbal communication is not specific enough, even for a 15, 16 year old, but I will do what I call the warn and wait. So I will give them, Hey, did you, did you mean to say it like that? I know you're upset, but that was especially mean or rude or impatient or whatever. I'll call them, I'll name that emotion, which is the same thing we're doing for two-year-olds. This time it's way more specific. But the difference is if I call a two-year-old, oh, buddy, you're frustrated. Take a deep breath. Take a drink of water. We, I immediately launch into that. Here's how you regulate that. With my teen and emotional outbursts, hey, did you mean for that to be rude? And then I wait. I wait for her to process that and see if she will regulate herself. And sometimes she does. Oh, shoot. I didn't mean to be rude. Oh, crap. And they'll do that little bit of self-exploration and fix that. And other times she's like, no, I wasn't rude. You just heard me. Okay. So we need okay, to regulate need to now. Me. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Tell me again. <laughs> no. And I feel like I'm a step you know, behind that right now, because I have a tween. And and with that, how how we tend to handle that is I will say like, hey, you're you kind of have a bad attitude right now. Are you upset with me? Or are you upset with something else? And I'm the easiest one for you to to channel that energy to? You know, is that a different conversation we need to have? And again, when we're talking about older kids, they do, they are capable of that self-reflection and that like, oh, I didn't mean to be mean to you. I'm sorry about that. But yeah, something is bothering me. And then, you know, and it's not that accusatory. It's not to, you're in trouble for giving me a bad attitude. It's very much a, hey, I recognize you're having big feelings and I'm here for you, but I'm not here to be talked down to. I'm I'm not going to be the whipping post here. I, I you don't get to be rude to me, but I also am going to give you some grace and patience because it's really hard to have feelings and this isn't typical behavior. So if it's happening, we're going to talk about it. Well, and I think I think it's important to note that when a kid of any age is having a tantrum and there's a billion ways to refer to that. And I think they sort of get more injurious as they go on because there's a tantrum and then there's acting out and then there's mm -hmm. lashing out. And then the big, bad, evil one that everyone's like, oh, that's gross. Is it back talk? No, it's okay. attention-seeking behavior. I have such a complicated relationship with that term. Same. Because I think if someone is seeking attention, it's because it's a human need to have For attention. For attention. 
Right. An attention-seeking, a tantrum is an attention-seeking behavior. They're just not sure what attention they need and why they're seeking it. An emotional outburst, because again, we're developing more brain space, more of that goo is solidifying. They need attention for a very specific thing, but they may lack even their own internal knowledge of something is really bothering me, but I don't know what, and I know something is wrong. So it just kind of coalesces into these attention-seeking behaviors. Attention-seeking behavior can absolutely be negative. They can absolutely become harmful behaviors, but they're still, they need help, a need for attention. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's important when we see the attention-seeking behavior that we need to recognize that as a human need and not a fault in their behavior. Because even if it is, they're separate things. The behavior they're doing and the need that they have are separate. Yeah. They may not be the same thing. They may not even seem like they act. We call it the straw that broke the camel's back. We can parse through everything that's happened and say, the straw that broke the camel's back was... I knocked my drink over, but that's not why I'm emotional. It's everything that came before. That was just the catalyst. So my little fit, it's attention-seeking behavior because maybe the attention I need is my support system is failing me or my systems are not set up or I feel stressed about this one particular thing. So I'm giving attention-seeking behavior because I need fucking attention. Or I I had a really hard day and I want someone to acknowledge that and give me some extra love right now. And that's okay too. I want a pretzel hug. Somebody pretzel pretzel hug me. So my kid has entered this new existence of personhood where she really cares about her clothes. Mm -hmm. I found a solution where I'm getting higher quality items that are also affordable quince like they have they have such great quality stuff they have so many options like 100% mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50 organic cotton sweaters washable silk tops and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash childproof for free shipping on your order in 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash childproof to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash childproof. Did you know that kids eat 1,095 meals every year? The best part is that we parents have the grand honor of making sure they're fed each and every one. Honestly, the responsibility kind of sucks sometimes, but we're here with some real help and camaraderie too. We're Stacy and Megan, hosts of Didn't I Just Feed You, a weekly podcast that gets real about what it takes to feed our families. We're two longtime food professionals who between us have worked on five cookbooks, two television shows, countless stories for publications like Better Homes and Gardens and thekitchen.com. Despite all of this work experience, at the end of the day, We, too, are just two working parents who also get tired making meals happen at home. Tune in to Didn't I Just Feed You for kitchen tricks, product recommendations, and tons of meal ideas, like how to turn nachos into a legit family dinner. Get inspired by our bi-weekly What We're Cooking and Eating Now series, or check out How to Get Your Cooking Mojo Back for even more ideas. 
I, I have an idea. So when we are looking at tantrums, when we're looking at public space fit throwing, the thing that happens is people will come up and say, you got this, mama. You got this. Do I got this? Do, do I got, does it do look I? like I fucking have okay. this? That was real helpful. So, but <laughs> I, I want to play, uh, it's not really a game. It's okay. just a discussion. Okay. I want to have an additional discussion of things that would actually be useful to hear from strangers at the grocery store. I feel like this is a great discussion because we spent a whole episode talking about things we don't want to hear. <laughs> Wait, right? <laughs> Not that. Not that. So this this is the recovery from mom rants. Yeah. This will not trigger a rant. Yeah. Okay. So I got one. Okay. I got one. You are the parent your kids need. God, that feels so good. That feels so good. Because it's not just like a blanket, like, you got this, mom. Like, like it's person. It's more personal. Yeah. Without it's being personal. it's it's more personal without being too much. Yeah. You're handling this so well. To be told in the heat of the moment, you're doing it right. Yeah. Even if it's just a stranger's analysis of what's going on, you're handling this so well. You're you're doing such a good job. Not you got this, but you're actively parenting well. Yeah. Well, and and that's the same and the same token. You're not alone. My kids do this too. Yes. It's the solidarity. Yeah. Like that is so, it's not going to fix the kid's tantrum, but to hear in that moment when you're afraid of everyone's mm-hmm. opinions and to have someone say to you, like, my kid does it too. You're not alone. It, it just takes that pressure a little bit, a little bit off. Well, and even if you're not one of those, like, I'm going to say something, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really, I don't want to talk. You know what? Just clear the aisle. Yeah. Just let me handle it without an audience. Come circle back around. Or even if you don't clear the aisle, just like, you don't have to acknowledge me. Just don't yeah. perceive me. That's fine. right. <laughs> just pretend you don't see me. It's okay. You don't have to acknowledge me. You don't have to say anything. That's perfectly fine because if you say something to me i'm a people pleaser i'm gonna have to turn my head and say something back that's gonna make it harder (laughs) yeah also like you could just like hand me a tissue i don't carry a purse so like i don't (laughs) i don't have one but if my kid is crying and you just happen to have a tissue like thank you yeah (laughs) um this one this one's a little more specific for me but i think if i am like holding a box and like fighting a kid just you know Information that's actually useful is, oh, my kids loved those, or my kids had trouble opening those little packages inside, or my kids took one bite and turned into hell spawn because they hated it. Yeah. Like that level of information about a product that I'm engaging with or that I'm fighting with my kid over, or, you know, what whatever you're seeing, just that little, I've been here. Mm-hmm. I have experience with this that directly applies to the situation. Yeah, my kids loved those fruit snacks. Yeah. Oh, Okay, good. That's good. Right, right. That's that's great. Helpful in information. But we want to take the judgment out and yeah. we want to take the condescending tones away as well. Right. That was our timer. Wow. It goes by so fast. It did. I didn't feel like we were done talking about that, which I think is everyone's complaint about the timer. Yeah, yeah. But again, without the timer, we'd be here until one of us got hungry, probably. Just grab a snack and come back on the mic. To end the episode, please, please, please head to podcastawards.com. 
register vote, vote for childproof in the kids and family category because I would like to win this award very much. I also would. Maybe if we win, we can skip the timer for one episode. Just for one episode, you get a super episode. You get a super episode. <laughs> I, I, I agree to this. We can have a super episode. Yes. If we win the award. <laughs> Uh, be sure also to follow us on TikTok and Instagram. I am Mama Cusses. I am at Tori Phantom in all places. Make sure you're following at Betches Moms on Instagram too. So you don't miss an episode. Be sure to subscribe to Childproof on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a rating. It helps. I'm still not sure how, but it does. You know, we're, we're out here breaking generational trauma. So if the ratings... Get us to more places. I'm for it. Heck yes. And remember, sometimes our kids are assholes. And sometimes it's us. Childproof is produced by Rebecca Salzmacat and Sean Kilby. Editing by Basilio Perez. Social media by Lauren Salome. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Be sure to follow us at at Betches Moms on Instagram and send us your email to moms at betches.com. 